You may be seated. Oh, wow. Wow. Ooh. Oh, everybody just give a shout. You know, one of the greatest joys that we've experienced, and I know me personally, uh, my life has changed so drastically since March 2020. And having my family together and intact, because for 40 years I sort of gave up my family to do what the Lord said. But I did that because it was a requirement from the Lord that if I would follow him, I'd see revival, and the requirement was at the same time he would bless my wife's life with children. And I thank God for my children, and I thank God for my grandchildren, and I thank God for each one of you. Really, most days, I'm very thankful for who God has brought in my life. And one person that I enjoy, you know, he also told me four years ago, you need to enjoy life. And I've had to press to do that because that was not, I, I had a responsibility in life, but I didn't always enjoy life. And when God brought Daniel and Amber back to America, she has helped me enjoy life. And I want you to welcome Amber Pierce to come and talk about change. When Daniel and I were standing down there worshiping, and um, we looked up at Chuck and Pam as they were standing right there, they looked so beautiful. And I said, Daniel, go take a picture. And I thought, I'm so proud of them. I mean, you know, they tell us all the time that they're proud of us. We never tell our parents that, they're, that we're proud of them. But I thought, I'm so proud of you guys. Wow. They've been so faithful to us. And, you know, we throw them some pretty good punches. <laughs> but I'm just so proud of you guys. And I love you. <laughs> um, I've been so blessed. Daniel and I just celebrated our 17-year anniversary yesterday. Uh, and um, I'm getting over some kind of respiratory thing. That's why I sound this way. But, um, you know, for the past year, people have asked us everywhere we go, they'll say, oh, y'all are cute. Thank you. <laughs> we don't feel cute, but thank you. They'll say, y'all are cute. How long have you been married? You know, we'd say 16 years, now 17. And everywhere we go, people ask us, what is the secret? And I kind of always thought, I thought that was strange. And as more people ask us this, I thought, not very, people aren't making it that long anymore, yeah. married. And so I thought about it, what is the secret? Because we, we don't have perfect marriage. We've had some pretty good arguments. I'll tell you one. <laughs> but um, I thought, the only thing I can think of is we continually lay down our pride because it's way better to have each other be snuggled up together than to just hold on to our pride. <laughs> and so I, I posted that on social media. I thought, what, what would be my post? Because I want to answer people's questions. As they've asked me, what's the secret? And, you know, we're looking at people who've been married for 50 years and 35 years. And all I can say is we've continually laid down our pride, eventually submit to each other, and we repent and we apologize. And that is, you know, when you first get married, a lot of people don't realize how much they're going to have to change. But God requires us to be changing throughout our whole entire lives and transformed into the image of Christ. That's what we're supposed to do down here. <laughs> and so, um, you know, Chuck asked me to talk about change. And I would say that being married has well, first getting saved, but then being married is, you can't stay married if you're not willing to constantly change. Yeah. 
and that be transformed into the image of Christ. A couple nights ago, we almost had an argument. I had asked Daniel to print, to pick, choose. You know, because since we're over here, we don't have family pictures on the walls. They're in Israel. And um, so if it's kind of strange, you walk through our house, there's not any family pictures. And so I said, I want you for Christmas. This is all I want for Christmas. I want you to pick three images throughout our family's history and blow them up and print them. And I thought that was so sweet because I asked for a gift that's free. (laughs) And um, so we were talking the other night and he didn't do it. I was, I was so disappointed. I was crushed. And I said, I just thought it was signed, sealed, and delivered because what I asked for is free. <laughs> and he was like, oh, my God. He said, I just can't make you happy. And I was like, I'm trying. I'm so disappointed right now. I am trying to de- de-escalate the situation. <laughs> but I was angry. And, you know, I just stayed quiet. I was watching some show about Julia Child, a documentary about Julia Child. And he went in our room, and like an hour later, I joined him, and he said, can I just say something? And I said, sure. And he said, I'm really sorry. And I just trust me, I promise I'll do it. And even though I was still angry, he'd already said he was sorry. And I know he's going to do it. (laughs) Thank you, Daniel. You're such a good husband. (laughs) In front of all the witnesses. (laughs) (laughs) He's the best husband. Oh my gosh, I've got these allergies and so just all this stuff going on. But, um, so, could I have a tissue? Sure. <clears throat> I had the strangest dream a couple of nights ago. Yeah, there's just this, this weather. It's, I'm sure it's causing this for a lot of you too. Um, so this dream, so crazy. I had a dream that I was about to cook some turkeys. We cook turkey year-round. And in this dream, I had these two turkeys that were only $14 a piece, which is crazy cheap for a turkey. And so one of the turkeys started to thaw out. And as it began to thaw out, I realized that the turkey had the head of a dog on the turkey. And it it was like it had little floppy ears. It looked like a lab that was like frozen. And I'm in this dream agonizing going, well, I can't, I can't cook this turkey like this. We can't, what is this? We can't eat this, but we also can't waste it. So what are we going to do? And this dream, it's one of those dreams that just goes on and on. And I'm agonizing in the dream, what to do with this turkey? Cause I can't waste it. And then I thought, well, I could, I could cook it and I could give it to the homeless. But then I thought, they don't want to eat a dog, turkey, and I'd have to tell them that. And then I thought, I thought, finally I came to the conclusion, I have to throw these turkeys away. They're not good for anything. This is weird. Nobody wants to eat a dog, turkey. And then I had this, like in my dream, I had this awakening. Hold on. I have enough money to go buy a really good turkey for the homeless. So would you bring the turkeys out? <laughs> the turkey. I had these Williams and Sonoma turkeys that I ordered for Thanksgiving. I was afraid we would not have turkeys this year, so I ordered several. This turkey cost about $150. <laughs> so I wanted to give my most expensive turkey to the, who are you, you're having someone prepare it. Rebecca, you and Coop come up. You know, we have two groups that have gone out every week. We have from good to hood, the Middletons and Josie and Alex uh, and his wife. And then we've had Rebecca and Cook take a team and they've gone down in the strip clubs and they've ministered beyond. And one of the things Amber saw in that dream was about her thought, well, we could take this dog turkey. Everybody say dog turkey. I'm telling you. I have a scripture to read for that too. And we could give it to the homeless. And then when she called me about the dream, she said, I'm bringing the best I have to those that have lesser than I have. We want to give this to you guys. And you will know a family that's struggling. 
and you'll know exactly who needs the best. We are entering a season for this. Let's thank God for it. So I want to read um, Philippians 3, 2 through 3. Look out for the dogs. Look out for the evildoers. Look out for those who who mutilate the flesh. For we are the circumcision who worship by the Spirit of God and glory in in Christ Jesus and put no confidence in the flesh. So that dream was a whopper. And obviously the first thing I did was I called Chuck and I put Chuck on speaker and Daniel was standing with me. And, um, but discernment. I had to have some level of discernment in that dream to know what to do. And, you know, as we were discussing this, Chuck said, well, you can't be thankful without discernment. And I thought, yeah, you can't because if you don't have discernment, you don't know what's in front of you. And so if you don't have discernment, you really need to start asking the Holy Spirit for it or get very close to someone who does have discernment. (laughs) Not everybody has the gift of discernment, but start asking God for discernment. And um, I just, um, discernment has been so key in my life. I thank the Lord I have a gift of discernment. And that's not always the easiest. Daniel does too. And um, if we did not have discernment, there are places that we would not have overcome. And there are situations that we wouldn't have made it to where we are and and been able to step into the things that God had for us. And so a lot of us being blessed, I feel like it's because we've been able to walk in discernment. And so I think that's very important as we move into this season and we Think about what does it mean to change and what do we need to have walking into our future. We need the Holy Spirit. We need the gifts of the Holy Spirit to be activated in us. So, Merry Christmas. Would you do one thing? Pray over us for that gift to be activated in a new way. Father, I thank you. I thank you so much, Holy Spirit. We thank you, Holy Spirit. And Father, I just thank you that you have wonder-working power. And Father, we thank you from every good and perfect gift from from you. And right now, I activate the gift of discernment in a new dimension in your body, in your people, in every single person that has got their hands raised. Raise your hands, because even if you have discernment, you need more. Father, we ask you for more. Father, we ask you that every single move that we make, Father, will be in step with you, in step with the Holy Spirit, walking in truth, walking in discernment, knowing what to do, knowing which way to go, Father. We thank you for supernatural, wonder-working power in Jesus' name. Wow. Let's thank God for that. Now, this is how simple you're to think. What might be a turkey could be a dog. Now, hear me. That's the season we're coming into. And if we don't start thinking like that, we'll get messed up in all the change that is around us. And dog also in the word of God means uncircumcised, which means legalism. And we're going to have to break down legalistic thoughts and see through and into the real situation. Let's thank God that he's giving us that as we move forward. Another person that has gone through a hard change is someone that's dear to me. He's been in our lives forever. Pam used to babysit he and his sister with our kids. And uh, you see now why I travel, all those kids, all those other kids that come over. And this guy has always had certain struggles But this year he said, I'm going to change. Welcome, Ben Windsor. 
So uh, it's the first time I've ever been up in a Sunday service for y'all, so just bear with me for a second. Um, this year has uh, been a very hard year for me. Um, in February, I had a medical event that really was unexpected, and, and ultimately, I feel like the Lord allowed it to happen so that I could see the change I needed. But um, at, after the event, uh, Chuck emailed me and texted me and talked to me, um, and he said, I want you to email me um, what the Lord's telling you you need to do to change. And I was like, okay, I can do that. And then I didn't. Um, every two or three weeks, Chuck would be like, hey, I haven't gotten your email. And, and I just kept putting it off and putting it off. And um, normally when Chuck would ask somebody to do something like that um, and they didn't do it, Chuck would rightfully get very angry, and he didn't, and I'm very grateful for that, um, because um, it wasn't, I, I wasn't trying to, I, I, was, I was in rebellion in wanting to answer that. I was fighting with God, um, I was fighting with myself, um, and finally there was a moment where Chuck was walking up to me. Um, we had just finished the offices up there, and I was like, I gotta tell him. I gotta say something. And I had found I needed to change my weight. Um, I had gotten to a point, um, to, um, and this is, for me, this is hard to share, but I had gotten to 555 pounds. And the, it's the heaviest I'd ever been. Uh, I actually had gotten heavier after in the hospital. So, um, but, the thing was, I was like, Chuck, this is what I'm going to do. Um, I found a program. I'm going to get on it. Uh, I then still didn't make the appointment for three weeks because I was still fighting with God. I, I kept saying, Lord, I can't do this. Uh, I don't have the strength to do this again. I don't have the strength to, to walk through this, to not see results and have the disappointment because my entire life I've been large, and my entire life I've tried things, but I've always tried to do it on my own. And, and that's one of the biggest things that, um, that has become part of this testimony is as soon as you submit to what God is asking you to do, he is going to make a way for it to happen. And the thing, the thing, that, the, the thing was, I kept trying to think and let my brain figure out how I was going to do it. And it was one of those things where it was... It was too much for me to comprehend, and so I would I'd give up. Um, I would do something for three months and give up. Do something for six months and give up. So anyways, um, I started this program, and I've seen how the support Chuck gave me, the support that the staff and friends and family have given me, has allowed it to be supernaturally easy. Not, not that it was easy. But supernaturally, the process has been easy. And, and so and one of the big things that, that has hit me is the support has been there, and that's all something that I knew about. But as I've gone, I've found people who the Lord has put me on their heart to pray for me, and I didn't ask. They didn't know what I was going through. And so I just want to implore, if you're ready to make a change and you're ready to submit and get out of the rebellion that the Lord has asked you to do something and you're just like, I can't do it or I don't want to do it or I'm going to quote unquote do it, the Lord's going to put somebody on your path to intercede for you to get you through. He knows what it takes for you to get through and he's going to put those people on your path. So I just want to encourage you and as we come through this season and the holidays can always be the toughest, if the Lord's asking you to change something, just take that step of faith and say, Lord, I don't know how to do it. I'm not going to try to do this on my own. I'm going to let you plow the path for me so that I can walk the easier walk in the change that the Lord has for you. Now, Let's all stand up. Oh, and, and I'm down 121 pounds right now. Wow. 
Now, I told Ben something. You know, I told Ben something. I said, if you lose a hundred pounds, I'll give you a thousand dollars. You know, you got to get desperate, people. Wait, 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 Chuck, Chuck. See, he's been telling me that for about 10 years now. Yeah, 10 and, years. And, and that by itself wasn't enough to motivate me. And so you know that it was, it was something way deeper. So. From all of us to him, we're giving, Brian's writing him a check right now. From all of you on the web for $1,121. Shout change with joy. This man, you know, it's, it's a joy to pray for your kids. Uh, and the Bible says, train them up in the way they should go and they'll make it. I'm paraphrasing. And, you know, all my kids have had to really press through. And, but Daniel was special. And then I will tell this story about he and Amber. Amber came to, when we were over at Woodhills, she came for a game night. And when she walked through the door, I looked at Pam and said, that's going to be Daniel's wife. She said, do not say a word about that. I said, well, what do you think I was going to do? Run over and said, hey, God brought you here to marry my son. And I watched the Lord just do it. Now, I'm going to add that to Amber's testimony and what she was sharing with us. You know, sometimes you just got to go with God. And when he puts people in your life, go with who he puts in your life. And I have watched him grow and mature. I've watched them as a couple mature. So welcome Daniel Pierce to come share with us. Thank you. I'm going to go ahead and pull out my notes I made this morning. Maybe we'll get to them and maybe we won't. You know, as we go through changes in life, it often uh, it leads to a revelation. That's really what continues to keep us changing throughout our lives as the revelations that the Lord brings us to. And, uh, you know, as we go through these changes that are going on in this season, God's going to have to show some of us a turkey dog so that we can get appreciative of the whole bird, right? <laughs> when Amber uh, shared that dream with Dad earlier, uh, the first thing he said was, that dog that you saw in the dream represents a spirit of religion. And uh, the Lord really began to speak to me through that because uh, it also involved the homeless or a picture of being poverty stricken. And, you know, a spirit of religion is what causes poverty in a lot of cases. Yeah, yeah. So we can't continue to take a spirit of religion and feed it to a spirit of poverty and expect a change. We have to have a revelation. Amen. Lord, we just thank you right now that you're striking down every spirit of religion in this hour. We can't continue to feed on that and move forward to where we're headed this year, Lord. That's something we have to leave in the past because we're about to change. Amen? And I always like to take the opportunity around Christmas time uh, to revisit my own salvation story. I've shared it with everybody here probably many times, but uh, this is the time of the year I stop and I think about it again and I take it before the Lord again. And I think that we all do that from the point that we're saved. We continue to revisit that time so that we can see the revelations and the changes that have occurred throughout our walk. And uh, for those of you that may not have heard it, I always tell our kids this. I start out by saying, you know, when I was a little kid, just five years old, I was very greedy. I was a greedy, wound up little kid. And I wanted everything that I saw. 
And uh, one Christmas when I was five, um, I'd spent the two or three weeks leading up to Christmas making a list of every little thing that I wanted for Christmas. And then one morning, one Sunday morning, I looked down at that list and I realized that it was the whole toy store. And the Lord in a moment convicted me. I realized my parents couldn't afford the whole toy store and there weren't enough shelves in my room to put all the toys in there even if they could. And I felt that hole in, in myself where I was grabbing for more and more and more and I realized there wasn't anything that would fill it except Jesus. And I walked into my mom's uh, bathroom. She was sitting at her vanity putting her makeup on and getting ready for church. And I explained to her what I'd been going through. I'd been wound up for, for several days thinking about this and it had just driven me crazy. And she looked at me and she said, you know, you've just found the meaning of Jesus and the true meaning of Christmas. And I got saved that morning in the bathroom. And I was, I was baptized shortly after that. Wow. But that's my salvation story. The Lord had to take all of that greed and that uh, wound up always grabbing for something more. And he had to fill that hole with his spirit. I want to read you a uh, verse that I pulled this morning. It's in 2 Corinthians 5.17. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come, and the old has gone, and the new is here. That's what it means to have a revelation and step into the new in your life. Now, it's a recurring process. We get saved and we accept Jesus, but then throughout our lives, we have renewing processes where we have to have a new revelation in order to allow us to continue to move forward in the things that the Lord has for us. Whether that's a dream, whether it's a vision, whether somebody speaks into your life. But a lot of times, it's our attitude towards change that dictates whether we're able to take the next step or not, or how we perceive the next step. And if we don't allow the Lord to build that perception and to give us that, that next step and receive it. You see, Christmas is as much about how you receive as it is about how you give. That's the lesson that's in the gifts in Christmas. It isn't just about stuff. It's not materialism. How do you receive? And we all ask that this morning. How do you receive this year at Christmas time and this change of the seasons? How are you going to receive what the Lord has for you? We have to allow the Lord just to build on that and to show us our next step. See, we thrive off of vision. We're all going to go through changes in our life, but you have to have a vision because that's what keeps you going. So in my life, what I do is I hear the Lord on uh, what direction I'm supposed to be going, and I go that direction until he changes my course again. There are a lot of changes. Amber and I have been through many, many changes over the course of our marriage your understanding and perception of covenant is also part of that. Amber was up here talking about our marriage earlier. You, it's impossible to get married and see all of the twists and turns that are coming in, that the Lord will bring you to. It's about being able to give up on yourself continually. And when we start our walk with the Lord, we have to be in that same place. We have to know there are going to be a bunch of twists and turns that you can't see yet, but you have to cling to the vision the Lord gives you for now and be ready for him to call you to change. There have been many major changes in our lives. I was in law enforcement for 10 years. We dropped what we were doing within a few weeks and moved to Israel for the next 10 years after that. The Lord changed our course again when he brought us back here. And I know he put us exactly where we were supposed to be for that juncture and that change in our life. And, uh, you know, over those last couple of years, we've gotten our land in Oklahoma. We're currently building out there. And those are a lot of the changes that are going on in our life right now. And what the Lord reminded me of is uh, he said, seek first my kingdom. Just this morning, I heard him say that. And that took me all the way back to my salvation story. If you seek first God's kingdom, all else will be added to you. And that's the truth about my life. That's the truth about our marriage. If you continue to seek the Lord's kingdom, he'll add everything else to you that you're supposed to have. And that's that blessing that defeats poverty. Amen? Amen. Lord, we just thank you for all the changes and everything that you have for us this year. We thank you for the recurring changes that you call us to. And we pray for the perception that you would have us have during those times of change, Lord that we'd accept every change in your will, that we'd learn everything that we're supposed to from it, and that we'd move forward the way that you'd have us move forward. In Jesus' name. I'm going to read one more to you in Philippians 4, 6 through 7. It says, Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God, and the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and mind in Christ Jesus. You see, 
there are things that transcend our understanding and uh, the changes that the Lord has for us. But we don't have to perceive them. We don't have to perceive all of the changes or anticipate all of the changes. Just when the Lord brings them to us, we have to accept them and walk forward with a right attitude. The last scripture I wanted to share with you is in Isaiah 43, 18 through 19. It says, Remember not the former things, nor consider the things of old. Behold, I am doing a new thing. Now it springs forth. Do you not perceive it? I will make a way in the wilderness and rivers in the desert. It starts with don't remember the former things. There are things that we have to leave in our past in order to step forward and to change. Just the other day, Amber was telling me someone had written us a letter from Israel, and this is someone that had done and said some things that were really hurtful while we were there. And uh, he met with one of our friends and said, you know, I remember Daniel and Amber, and some of the things they did here were needed, and uh, there were things that have lasted and been on my mind, and the way they've acted since all of this COVID and everything else has been going on had really encouraged that person, and they expressed that to one of our friends there in Israel. And that's something that if you watch the Lord work in time, even if you miss it, if you miss a juncture and you miss a change, the Lord will bring that back around again. Sometimes we have to give things to the Lord and let Him deal with it. Amen? Amen. And what I said to Amber when we read that was, I was done being upset about that a long time ago. I don't have time for it. That was something that upset me that I forgot about a couple years ago. (laughs) And that's how we have to be. We have to forget the former things so we can get to the latter things because the Lord knows His timing of fulfillment and change. Wow. Let's thank God for that. Now, I want to ask you something. Be anxious for nothing. See, anxiety just, it's like friction inside of you. It's causing your organs to rub together. It's causing you to say, how am I going to get through this? It's causing thoughts to come into you that aren't even real. Anxiety, depression, and fear work together. That's not what this season's about. This season is about when Father said they need a Savior. I love them so much, I'm going to give them the best I've got. Just like Amber giving the best turkey. I'm going to give the very best. I'm no respecter of persons. Whosoever will, say that out loud, whosoever will can have. Whosoever will can have. And so right now, if you're dealing with anxious moments, lift your hand. Let me pray for you. Father, I know that spirit of anxiety. Lord, thank you for pressing it out of me. Father, I have a desire as a gift for everyone with their hands up that they would be anxious for nothing and some way from the very depths of their being you would rise up in them and start flowing through them with joy, with praise, with thanksgiving and the one thing I want you to remember is what Justin and Leanne and the team's about to sing over you then there was Jesus Yeshua the savior of this world the Mashiach the anointed one the anointing will break the yoke Remember who you are and who is inside of you. If you don't know him, don't let another season of us celebrating him go by without you knowing how to celebrate him. We have people up here who will minister to you. Let the Spirit of God just bathe you with this song.
Now keep standing. You know, he gave so we could be free. When you give a portion of yourself, you're making more room for him. I'm going to ask these people to come stand right up here. John, I don't know where you are. John and Violet, he'll come back. John and Emily Taylor, you come up. And Robert and Linda Heidler. And Pam, you come up and stand with Violet. You know, when Amber and Daniel were sharing, y'all come right up here. Linda, right up here. In 1987, when we became a part of this work, it was elders. Is John here, Emily? John, he's not in his heart. And one of the things Daniel and Amber was talking about is covenant. See, covenant's when you're in agreement. Covenant means when you have an enemy, I have an enemy. Covenant means uh, some way or another, I'm with you to fight it out. And the people who were in covenants, still in covenant 40 years later. That's one of the blessings that rest on your head here when you walk in here. John came up today and said, you know, you clean up pretty good. And I said, you know, I want you to know how much I love you. I just love Violet more. We've laughed together, cried together, warred together, crawled together. And if there's something we can impart to you right now, I just say, you need to know, like Daniel was saying in Amber, who's there on your path to help you? To help you make it through when you don't know if you can make it through. And I asked Robert to share the two biggest changes that ever happened in his life. So Robert, share that. There's fine. Okay. Well, of course, he doesn't uh, have PowerPoint. Let's all thank God he's I changing. I don't have PowerPoint. <laughs> well, of course, the biggest change in my Christian life was when the Holy Spirit invaded. And uh, you can read all about that in experiencing the Spirit. But the other change is, is different. Because a lot of times we look at our lives and we know we need change and we even want change, but we can't get there because we're held captive in old mindsets and old structures. And that was really my situation. Uh, for years, I was a pastor. Now maybe it's a surprise to some of you now that I'm not a pastor anymore. I'm a teacher. See, biblically, there are five different kinds of ministries the church needed, and so God gave five different kinds of gifts, apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers. I was a teacher, but I was held captive in an old religious mindset and structure that said, if you want to serve God, we'll stick a pastor label on you and give everybody the same job description. And so I was a pastor. And I knew what a pastor was supposed to do. My problem was a lot of the things a pastor was supposed to do, I wasn't gifted to do. And so I spent a lot of my time frustrated because I would try as hard as I could and I just thought, well, maybe I'm just not a very good pastor. And what new people would come into the church and after they'd been there for about six months, they would say, you know, Robert's really not a very good pastor, but he does teach good. 
But I, I felt like that's what I was supposed to do because that was the mindset, that was the structure. Some of you are caught in a mindset or a structure that keeps you from moving forward to see the change you need. Now what God did for me was brought Chuck Pierce into my life <laughs> as an apostle. <laughs> because what an apostle would do is he'll look and he'll say, this is out of place. This is out of order. You need to change this and then it will work. And so Chuck came to me one day and he said, Robert, stop trying to be a pastor. You're not a pastor. You're a teacher. And everything in my heart leapt when he said it. And yet I thought, but you know, I, I, this is what I'm supposed to do. He said, no, stop trying to be a pastor. Do what God has called you to do. And I said, I said if I don't pastor the church, who will? And he, he said, if you will do what God has called you to do, God will raise up other people to do the rest. And I'll tell you, that is exactly what happened. We have the best pastors on staff now that, uh, that I've ever heard of. And I am so happy. I love what I'm doing. I'm free to exercise my gift, and apparently other people enjoy that too. But what Chuck did was liberate me from an old mindset and from an old structure so I could be free to experience the change that God wanted for me. If you are caught in an old mindset, an old structure, and you need for God to do something to begin to liberate you from it, stand up, and I'm gonna just release liberation over you. Lord, for each, everyone in here who is caught in an old structure, in an old mindset, Somebody that put does your not hand leave them free to do what God has called them to do, right now in the name of Jesus, I release a spirit of liberation. I release Holy Spirit to bring freedom to experience the change and the blessing that God wants you to have. You can't be something you're not. Put your hand on somebody and decree over them. They will be this year. Yes. Let's thank God for what he's doing. Now, there's one more thing I want to show you. I'm going to ask Keith to come up here with me. I want to show you some pictures. I went to Keith three years ago, especially in 2020 when I was here a long time. And I said, you know, you have got to shift your house. It, it, his house is always perfected. But he had all sorts of things that needed to change. Everybody say change. And he said, well, you know, I just don't want to do all that. I'm busy. I've got a lot going on. It'll cost money. Uh, and I said, well, God wants it changed, especially those floors of yours. That carpet has been there forever. Now, let me show you a few pictures. He decided he didn't want to change. Now, he just sent this picture this week. His house flooded completely. Pam, of course, said, who are you, who you burying there? His house went upside down. Now, that's my word for you to end before we send you out today. Be willing to change. Be willing to get in God's perfect timing with change. Just step in by faith. You know, when Chuck did come to me, and he did tell me, and I thought, you know, he's absolutely right. That's absolutely what God's saying, but however... 
However, I'm at work, COVID started, contractors, you can't get them. Supplies are more expensive than they've ever been. The harvest has come, my business has gone from 275 closings to 435 closings a month. I don't have time for change. And so you go through this and everything is fine. And then at the end of October, the Lord spoke to me in a dream and, and in this dream, my house burned down. And just me and the two dogs and the cats got out, and I got out right when it crumbled. And I said, in the name of Jesus, I rebuked that. And three days later, I had a dream, the same dream, and the house burned down. And I said, Lord, what are you showing me? And he said, when you pass through the flood, it will not overwhelm you. And when you go through the fire, you will not be burned. And I said, okay. And so then, November the 3rd, I got up at 2.15 in the morning, and I let the dogs out and come back in, and there's a utility bathroom. And I've lived in this house for 16 years, and this is only the second time I've ever used that restroom. And I went in there, and I flushed the toilet, and I went back to bed. And it was the weirdest thing because Leanne was in Vegas for Abby's wedding, and I get a text at 3.20 in the morning from Leanne that says, embrace the flood. <laughs> and then she texts me back and she said, I'm sorry, I'm trying to tell you to pray for me to get on a plane. I don't know why it came out, embrace the flood. Do you know? I said, I don't have a clue. At 6.20, my dogs were barking so loud because I keep them in the kitchen at night. I started across the living room, and it was the biggest squish you'd ever seen. And when I got to the kitchen, the dog bowls were floating, and the dogs were up to their chest in water. I called Lee Forrest. We water backed out 144 gallons of water. And when he did... I saw that there was something I was not seeing. And I couldn't see what I wasn't seeing, but I knew I wasn't seeing something correctly. This walked on, and then the next thing in the middle of all this, the breaker box started shorting out. And we called the electrician, and the electrician come, and I realized something when I bought this house that they said was remodeled. Really what it was, they would put lipstick on a pig. <laughs> and there was 11 things on one circuit, 13 on another. And then I realized, Keith, you've got, you've got to change. And you've got to deal with the old. And so I was praying, and the Lord spoke to me this. He said... The beauty of the old has grown stagnant. If you don't let go of it, you will miss the glory of the new. And I said, Lord, I understand exactly what you said. And it's like what Amber and Daniel and Chuck just said. The people around me have been more than kind, more than generous, more than loving to Put me ahead of the crowd. I've seen the Spirit of God move everything. But the other day, the other day I went home at lunch, and on my way coming up Hercules, there was, they put piers under the house. They fixed the drain. They're fixing the electricity. Everybody's there. Matter of fact, there's 47 people in my house. But right when I come up in the front yard, before mama died, she gave me these hydrangeas plants. And my plants are beautiful and everything. And this young man had pulled them out and was standing there holding them. And I walked in and then my house is full. Everything is disarrayed and everything is out of order. And I walked through all the way to the back of the house and I was standing there and this is what I said. I said, Lord, I don't understand, I don't deserve this. And when I said it, I realized that there was four different times in my life when I said that. I said it when I was four, I said it when I was 13, I said it when I was 25, and now I'm saying it now. Because I realized there was this thing in me that 
I believe without a shadow of a doubt, Galatians 6, 9, let us not get tired of doing what is right and we'll reap a harvest of blessing. And if you do what is right, the covering, the protection, everything or God will keep you and save you to the very end. So I said it, and this is what I want to say it one more time, because something very peculiar happened after that. I said, Lord, I don't understand. I don't deserve this. And he said, Keith. And I mean, it was just like that. He said, Keith. And I said, yes. He said, listen to me. Neither did I. He said, I didn't deserve the scourging. I didn't deserve the ridicule. I didn't deserve the mocking. I didn't deserve the abandonment. I didn't deserve the rejection. I didn't deserve it, but I gave my life freely because I love people more than I love myself. And when he said this, this deep, deep, deep sadness came over me. But if you know me, I have a very, very high tolerance for things. So this sadness came over me and I couldn't release it. And so, Chuck, come over here. So here's the thing that I want you to see. The Lord spoke to me very clear. He said, find your brother. And there's time periods in my life and you ask Chuck this. I go... If I can just get to Chuck right this moment, everything will be fine. If I can find Chuck, everything will be fine. So I found Chuck, and I walked in, and I burst in uncontrollable tears. Burst in uncontrollable tears. Yes, uncontrollably. And he said, what's wrong? What's wrong? I said, no, no. Chuck said, Keith, what's wrong? I said, they pulled the, <laughs> they pulled the hydrangea plants out. And Chuck said, Keith, who cares? I said, no, 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 no. You don't understand. They pulled the hydrangea plants out. And Chuck said, Keith, who cares? And finally, now this is why I go to Chuck. Chuck said, Keith, shut up. Get a grip on it. It's not about those hydrangea plants. And when he said it, now, and I want you to see it, and he said it just like that. And I knew he was going to say it like that. I needed him to say it like that. I couldn't find my way unless he said it like that. That's really what true covenant is. Because two weeks before that, the Lord spoke to me that I know Chuck longer than anybody else on this earth now. And I know things about Chuck, and I looked at him and I said, I don't want you to be an apostle. I don't want you to be a prophet. All I want you to do is be my brother. And he turned on me and said, it's not about the hydrangea plants. And when he did, this is what I realized. It was never about the hydrangea plants. It was never about the house. It was never about the drainage. It was never about the electricity. It was never about anything other than me. Because this is what the Lord spoke to me at that point. And this is what he said, and I want you to listen. He said, everyone is very easy for them to profess to be a Christian. But it's very hard because there's only few that will walk with me to become Christ-like. He said, you chose at an early age, you wanted to be like Christ. And no, you didn't deserve it. But my question is, can you take it, see, hear, and understand, and receive the revelation of it, and get up, that many people can find change through you. Now, I want everybody to stand up. And you can ask Chuck, Pam, anybody that knows me, Lee, Stacy, Leanne, the hardest thing in life for me to do is change. I do not like change. I do not like anything about change. Change is very, very hard, but change is very necessary for you to have life and life abundantly. 
I want everybody, if you have trouble with change, to raise your hand right now. If you are not moving in to your next place, if you are resisting, if you are rebelling, I want you to just lift up your hands. Because I tell you why. Here's the thing. I realized I couldn't do it. I wasn't going to do it. I didn't have understanding how to do it. But the sovereign hand of God loved me enough to have me, because this is what I, I saw that day. I, if I just had not walked into that bathroom and flushed that commode, I wouldn't have these issues. There's many times in our life that we just walk in and do that one thing and then everything unravels. This is what the Lord spoke to me. He said, Keith, the hand of the Lord has wrought this. You didn't flush that toilet. I flushed it for you. Because you were so consumed with what looked good on the surface, you did not see the rotting the decay, the destruction that was going on behind the scene. Now I want you to see something. That's what we do with our life. The only thing that I want to leave with you today is I want you to put your hand on your chest. And I want you to ask God, God, have I covered up my life with such an old beauty? that I've grown so stagnant that literally the new life can't go through, run through me. Because I realized something. I pray for people on a regular basis, up here at work, everything, with cancer, with disease, with infirmity. But I never took time to see the cancer and the disease and the infirmity that was running through my house. Now, it's stripped. It stripped down to nothing, and Chuck came over yesterday, Ian, Pam, and Ethan, and Hannah, and Chelsea. And here's what I want to leave you with. There will always be somebody. We're thanking, they, everybody thank Chuck, and Chuck is very different and very unique, and he's very different and unique for me. But I knew that day that I wasn't going to get to this place unless I found Chuck because Chuck at this place tried to warn me and would have supported me and poured into me, etc., to help me get it done. But I was too hard-headed to see that it's not about the circumstances, it's about the moment. So Chuck, I love you and I thank you, but I want everybody to lift up your hands. Lift up your hands. The Lord is on your path. If he's not, get him on your path. You've got a place that he will come and dwell. Pray over everybody here, Keith. Just yeah, pray for Yeah, I'm going to say this pray. while I pray over you. Is the hydrangeas, the Lord spoke to me and he said, put them in the trash. And I went and I pulled them up and I put them in the trash. So I want you to see something. Lord, as we come to you today, I lift up each and every person here. I ask that Holy Spirit moves up and down each and every aisle. I ask that Holy Spirit searches out the hearts of men, searches out the secret places, the sewage places, the electrical places, the places in our lives where we're shorting out with the new power. The, Places in our life where clogs are keeping us to drain, to drain fully and accurately. Now, Lord, I lift up each and every person here in this season. I say, Father, let us not just be Christians, but let us submit to you to become Christ-like. That we may walk in your image, we may talk in your image, and we may see at the that people in this world during this harvest time may see Christ through us, but that we may demonstrate your love, your power, your hope, and your salvation, your grace, and your mercy in Jesus' name. And everyone said, Amen. Amen. Give the Lord a shout. Now, 
It is my blessing when we gather to give. If you haven't given today, you know, I can't think of a better day to give. And Brian, come up here with me. You know, we're going to send you out with this song, Brian, right here, right up front. If you've got any, we, we went to Walmart because, you know, Walmart's just easy to get anything. If you don't have something you need, we got Walmart cards. Come up here and get one if you need one. Only if you need one. Think what Amber said. I'm going to give my best turkey to those less fortunate. If you need something, we have it for you. But I'm going to say this. All you need to want this Christmas is a new relationship with Him. By the Spirit, getting to know Him in a way you have never known him before 